Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But we have the right team. We have the right people. So what we're going to do is not let anyone go. If currently in their capacity, they're not being best utilized because we don't have those functions right now, that doesn't mean there's nowhere that they can help. So we shifted people to strategic work if they couldn't be involved in day-to-day work. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Habit Stack, Ignite Management Services, and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to encourage you to join us on our growing YouTube channel. Search for Deep Leadership on YouTube for videos of all my interviews and exclusive content. Well, that is it. Today we're going to be talking about putting your team first, and my guest is Galen Hare. Galen is an entrepreneur who took a unique approach to his business during the pandemic. Instead of focusing on the bottom line, he prioritized the well-being of his employees. He successfully avoided layoffs and resignations during this difficult time, which led to a strong culture and unprecedented growth after the pandemic. I am excited to have him on the show to hear his story. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Galen Hare. Galen is the owner of Insurance Claim HQ. He is a property casualty attorney who has helped over 1,700 families rebuild their homes and businesses. While the pandemic created unprecedented challenges for many businesses, Galen took a different approach than most. Rather than focusing solely on his company's financial bottom line, he prioritized the well-being of his employees. Through his unwavering commitment to keeping every member of his team employed, he successfully avoided layoffs and resignations. I'm excited to have him on the show to understand his approach and how that has helped him rapidly grow his business. So Galen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking. I'm honored to meet you and I'm honored to hear your story. And first of all, thank you for being, we talk about this podcast, it's to build a world with better bosses. It's great to meet a better boss, right? Right off out of the gate. And uh, and I'm excited to hear your story. So first of all, tell us about Insurance Claim HQ. What does your company do and what makes you unique? 
So Insurance Claim HQ is essentially at its core, it's a law firm. Um, we obviously didn't name it the way you name most law firms because we don't operate that way. So we represent people that are victims of a natural disaster or a man-made disaster. They're having issues with their insurance company. And as a result, they're having trouble getting made whole. Our approach is a little more holistic than just going to court. We do those things. We go to court, we try cases, but usually our clients need more than just getting the insurance company to pay. That's a big part of what they need. Uh, but there's so much more that goes around that when you're the victim of a natural disaster. So we that's why we picked kind of a different name. Interesting. So so if somebody has been through a natural or a, a man-made disaster and they're struggling to collect from insurance, you're the company to call. We're probably one of the preeminent ones in the country. Okay, interesting. Well, that's and, and what's interesting is that you have a niche, a very natural niche, and uh, and so it's pretty obvious uh, who you serve and who your customer base is. So, if anyone's on the listening in right now and you're in that situation, well, we've, we've introduced you to a guy that can help you out. So that's fan, fantastic. So during the introduction, I mentioned that your approach during the pandemic. Um, you know, a lot of companies had mass layoffs, they shut their business down, they shuttered. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting as a small business owner myself, we we had to make some decisions and we decided to keep everybody running. And But you did as well. And I'm interested to know your approach. So why did you decide to focus on the well-being of your employees instead of the bottom line? It seems like uh, counterintuitive for many business owners. Oh my gosh. It was, you know, COVID was so, and everyone, everyone has like COVID-itis. They're, they both can't stop talking about it. And they also want to only talk about it, but <laughs> it it was a pretty formative time for us. So at the time we were housed within a larger law firm that did full service, everything from divorces to just whatever you needed. And we were operating as multiple law firms within a law firm. That's actually for any non-lawyers out there that think that sounds weird. That's a very typical structure. Lawyers are stubborn and they tend to want things their way, but they also want the convenience of a larger organization. So they tend to set this up. So I was gone. I, I was actually on vacation when COVID quote unquote hit the New Orleans area where I'm living. We were at Disney. And I still remember this because... It was our last day at Disney. Everyone had kind of heard, oh, COVID's here, COVID's there. No one was locked down. I think Italy was locked down, maybe Seattle, but no one, lockdowns, layoffs, no one was talking about that. And we go to have breakfast on our last day and they tell us, just hold on one second. Our system's down or we don't know if we can seat you. And I thought that was so weird. This is Disney, the world's, one of the world's yeah. largest corporations is being super sketchy about whether they can sit us down for breakfast. And I can see a few people in there, but not a lot of people, you know, so we leave, we come back, they say, you come back in 15 minutes. They go, yeah, we can see you now. No problem. We sit down. We're still thinking over breakfast. What in the world happened? You know, we're thinking like computer virus, right? So we RV, um, Amanda and I RV. So we get in our RV and we start driving home and she is a professional musician. And over the 10-hour drive home, every single job she had for the next year um, would cancel yeah. on her. Sure, exactly. Um, some would text her. Some would call her. Some would not tell her and just issue press releases that they were canceling. Um, so it was a very difficult drive. So when I got back to New Orleans, I was not in the best headspace, right? 
I had just watched my life partner watch her career come crumbling down. And I was like, man, this thing is real. And I'm a Southerner, right? So for us, for some of us, COVID never was real, right? So I'm like, man, this thing is real. Like, and we have to figure this out. So I came back, I went straight to the office and I pulled my team in and said, here's what we're going to do. There's, I, I see, I see the, the forest through the trees. At the moment, it's very clear that there's going to be lockdowns. No one was really ordering those yet. Say, so go to Best Buy, buy whatever you need to work from home and just start working from home. I'll be in touch about what the next plan, the steps are. So everyone went, cleaned out Best Buy. This is before everyone was cleaning them out. Um, and they started working from home. And maybe, maybe it was a week later, New Orleans issued a stay-at-home order, right? Um, so that's kind of the backdrop with which we had to deal with COVID was kind of that knee jerk. I was like, look, this is happening. So let's get ahead of it. And I think 90% of surviving COVID was not being reactive. And that was probably our most reactive moment at all. I don't regret it for a minute because we bought stuff before ever before prices got jacked up and before um, you couldn't find things like monitors and keyboards, right? But we got all those things. And from there, we just took an employee first approach. So... I made it a non-negotiable that we wouldn't fire anyone because as far as I was concerned, this thing could end any day, right? So there, we're not we're not firing people. We're not letting good people go that have been dedicated to us and that we've dedicated and spent. And frankly, it's, it's a dollars and cents issue. Spent time and money training. How much money am I going to save letting a four-year employee go for what amounted to a three-month you know, basically stay at home order. So a quarter of a yearly salary would have cost me more than that to find someone that good yeah. and train them up. So we made it a non-negotiable and everything, every reaction we had to COVID, and we did some crazy things was based off of that. It's a non-negotiable to act, to get rid of good people over a short-term economic problem. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting because I think it, it tells me a little bit about who you are as a person, who you are as a leader, because you know, I, I often say that without people, our companies are are nothing, right? So without a crew, a ship can't go to sea. And 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 so, but a lot of leaders see people as an expense, especially a small business owner myself, right? I know how much it costs me every two weeks when I when I run payroll, right? It's a significant amount of money. And so, how did you see? people for their potential and their future value to the company versus the 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 weekly expense to the business how did you sort that out yourself yeah i mean it wasn't easy right it's it's hard to watch money not come in mm-hmm. and see money go out at a steady rate that is very very difficult and i'm not suggesting you just put your head down and ignore that as a reality but if it's a temporary thing and you have a strategic plan and we did and in our mind, all that was going to happen is COVID might slow that down by a few months. Also, by the way, gave us a ton of time at home to mm. do things like strategic planning and think, yes. okay, man, I have been stuck on the phone and stuck in depositions and stuck in hearings for day in and day out for the last, at that point, 13 years of my career. And suddenly, I don't have those things that I'm home. And all those things I said I would do, I can start to do. I said I would create a new process. I said I would create a new procedure. I said I would find a better software. I now have time to do all those things. So what we did is I said, look, we have the right team. And if you don't have the right team, that's a different discussion, right? But we have the right team. We have the right people 
So what we're going to do is not let anyone go if currently in their capacity, they're not being best utilized because we don't have those functions right now. That doesn't mean there's nowhere that they can help. So we shifted people to strategic work if they couldn't be involved in day-to-day work. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And did you find that you made a pivot in your business during that time too? Or did you stay the course or did you find things through your strategic work that said, oh, there's an opportunity here that we could possibly exploit in the middle of all this? So a few, yeah. So we we identified a couple of opportunities, which we took, but also strategically that planning and that groundwork we laid would lead to later just explosive growth. I mean, we were seven people at the time which for some people is a lot. For a lot of people is no one. We're over 100 now. Uh, and and we would it. not be over 100, in my opinion, if COVID hadn't happened. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Um, so... One of the things, one of the things that, that it demonstrates is, is that you're showing care and empathy towards your employees, your, you know, you, and I'm sure through your clients during this crisis. So the question I would have for you is, is where, what is empathy and where, how should leaders be embracing empathy in the way that they lead their teams, especially during a crisis or things when maybe there's some unknowns out there, like, like we're heading into potentially a recession right now. So there's, there's, there's unknowns out there. So how does empathy help us through that? So empathy is so interesting. So there's empathy and there's sympathy. And I think people tend to confuse them, which is really unfortunate because they're not the same. So in my mind, sympathy is a stopping emotion. Sympathy is all, you know, that must, that, that, that seems really bad. But, right, no empathetic statement has ever had the word but in it. (laughs) Oh, this terrible thing happened to you, but at least you have this. That's not empathy, right? right? Right. Um, Fixing problems for people is not empathy. And in my mind, empathy is much more simple than anything else. You know, we have this bad habit as society, but definitely as Americans, of not listening to people, but instead being silent while Mm. we wait for our turn to talk. Oh, yes. (laughs) And it's normal. And no one should feel bad or called out for that. It's what we do. It's what we're taught to do. It comes from the pressure of when it's our turn to talk, having to say something smart or right or correct. But you miss the emotion that's behind what the person says. And Mm. the conversation you will have with your employee if an employee comes in to tell you about a personal thing they're going through because they need extra time off, as a boss, we can handle that a few ways. I'm so sorry, Jane, that your mother is sick. Well, you know, but you have a job to do. That's option the one. But, but that's yeah, the sympathy. That's option one. <laughs> um, option two, which sounds good, and almost anyone will give this a great A because it is a great A. I'm so sorry, Jane, your mother's going through a rough time. How can we accommodate you? Mm. That's that's a great answer. And if if every boss gave that answer, the world would instantaneously be a better place. But that's not my approach. My approach is, oh my God, Jane, you must feel really scared right now. Why don't you talk to me about how you're feeling and how you feel with everything going on. 
and take that 30 minutes to an hour instead of that five minutes. And, and look, if you're busy, I know that's a lot, right? Take that 30 minutes to an hour to let Jane, my my teammate, my employee, tell me what she's actually going through and how she's actually feeling. Because ultimately, the accommodation we will work out will actually be responsive to her needs, right? She doesn't just need to hear you can work from home three days a week while you wait while you deal with doctors. She does need to hear that. And you should be saying that. But you might learn that there's a different stressor in her life because you actually took the time to listen to her. Maybe it's being home and dealing with doctors coming in and out of the house to take care of her mother, but it's also juggling her kids going to soccer practice in school so they can have some kind of a normal semblancy of life, right? And these are these are accommodations that you only learn if you're willing to emotionally connect with your team. So I think that approach of empathy, that's what I consider empathy to be, is actually hearing what's being said and actually listening to them I think it comes very naturally because we as humans, I, I, I don't think I've met an unempathetic person. I've met a person that doesn't listen. We we okay. love each other and we care about people. And and yes, there are some bad people in the world, but by and large, most people are really good and want a sense of community. And that only happens with a real connection. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Habit Stack. Effective leaders make a habit of working on important goals no matter how busy they feel. Habit Stack software helps leadership teams build that habit. The system guides you to set crystal clear goals, align your tasks to those goals, and make progress every week. I use Habit Stack and I absolutely love it. It's such an easy tool to use and I love how it reinforces the right habits with my leadership team. Habit Stack is free to use. It's so simple that you get the hang of it in just five minutes. Go to habitstack.com to get started. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger at Liberty Strength. 
As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. Your energy skyrockets, your sleep improves, your confidence increases, and more. But how can you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best people for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Liberty's strength in your corner. Jeremy and his team will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. I've worked with Liberty Strength for the past two years, and I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm still hitting strength personal records at 56 years old. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at libertystrengthtx.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. Okay, this is some powerful stuff here. So <laughs> I I learned some of this, some of those lessons uh in my time in the Navy being locked in a submarine for three months at a time. The idea of really getting to know your people and having deep relationship with them. And I took that through my business world uh into my time in corporate and then as an entrepreneur. Where did you come up with this? Where did this come from? Because this this tells me you have a you have a way of leadership that that puts people first. And that you treat people as people and you're willing to open up and have a deep relationship with the people that work for you. Where does that come from? Where did that come from? I'm curious. Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I've been I've been very fortunate to have mentors throughout my life that care and genuinely care and get and have many have gotten nothing in return or asked for anything in return. So I've always invested in those people and the lessons that they've taught me. I will say as a lawyer, there's actually a fantastic group that focuses on empathy as it relates to trial advocacy. And for reasons that probably sound obvious, I really latched onto that when I discovered them. But yeah, I mean, you know, maybe one too many times as a child, not feeling listened to when I'm trying to express what I'm upset about and adults are solving the problem for me that I don't want solved. I I think a lot of it comes from that. Interesting. Well, I think it's great. I mean, I, I'm, you know, it's funny because we all get there in different ways. I'm just, you know, curious to know how you got there. It's interesting. Um, mine was, you know, being locked in, you know, a metal tube <laughs> where we were forced to get to really know people uh, deeply because we had nothing else to do. <laughs> so, but um, so one of the things that that comes out of this um, is the idea of resiliency and the idea of resilience in our teams and in making our teams more resilient. So we have a team, we have some sort of external event that happens like a pandemic, a recession, a supply chain shortage, you name it. It's been countless things over the past uh, five to six years, right, that we've had to deal with as business owners. Um, how would you say that, that what, what are the things that we need to do to build resilience in our organization so that we can handle these blows and still come out on top? Yeah, and this is, it's such a a recurring theme these days, right? Is it, it feels like it'll never end. It's like mm-hmm. one thing after another. And if you're a business owner listening and you're just tired, I, I get it. It's exhausting and you, it's okay to be tired. But I think it's a few things. I think number one, transparent communication with your team really helps. I never... 
I saw organizations that would go through really, really rough times because of things they did or things they didn't do or just the world, right? And they would send these, don't worry, everything's fine, everything's overblown type communications to their team. And I always wondered if I was on that team and I sensed that that was just a load of bull, would I be less scared or more scared? And my thought was more scared. Yeah, it's inauthentic. We, we've talked about this on the show too before with other guests is, is that inauthentic communication that is like, you know, phony, like everything's great, you know, don't worry. And and that makes you, like you said, more, more afraid because you don't see your leaders as authentic and giving you their true raw emotions about the, the moment. They're just saying everything's great. Um, and so it's interesting because one of the things I, I I struggle with is is trying to find find that balance. And I think I've done it well, but but I think it's hard to explain is how do you be transparent, but also don't cause panic, right? Uh, in other words, you know, being honest with the situation that's in front of us, but also not, you know, one of the, one of the things that leaders have to do is keep hope alive, right? They have to they have to be that beacon of hope. So you can't just say I don't know what to do. It's terrible, you know, go home and we'll try to figure it out. It's like, oh, shoot, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. You know, I mean, so is there a balance between being uh, authentic and then being too authentic that where there's panic? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for me, that's more timing than authenticity, right? Okay. So if a problem hits my desk and it's a problem and I don't know what to do, I have a choice. I can send that company-wide communication, letting them know that we have this problem and I don't know what to do. Or I can brainstorm on it, meet with, I call them my brain trust, you know, kind of the handful of people that I know I can bring things where I'm like, I got no freaking clue. Yeah. And we'll figure it out. And then I can send that communication. I don't sit on it for weeks or months. If we don't have a finalized plan, but we got a little bit of a plan, you know, so you can communicate the problem and again, they don't want you to fix their problems, but they do want you to fix your problems. Your yeah. your team absolutely wants you to fix your problems, I promise yes. you. <laughs> um, and if they think it's your problem, even if it's theirs, they want you to fix it, right? So it it helps to come in with a solution. That's not the same thing as trying to fix Jane's sick mother issue. That is saying, I, as the leader, see this problem in my company. I want to communicate with you that this is the problem, even if it's an outside source, a recession, whatever. And I want to let you know, either here is my well-thought-out plan or here is where we're headed. And here is how we intend to get the plan together, right? Um, we had this come up recently. We, Our software that basically operates our entire firm <laughs> just started to suck. There's no other way to say it. I mean, we could guess a million different issues. And the communication I sent out was essentially, look, we know that you were seeing unprecedented downtime. We know that you were lose, not getting access to important things when it matters most. We know this. And I don't work for them, so I can't fix it for you. But here are the conversations we are having. Here are the people we're communicating mm -hmm. with. Here's what we're being told. We don't know what the answer is, but here's here's the next step for us. And I will say, our and I don't take credit for that being a genius thing. I don't think it was. It was just being authentic, but providing what we could. And there was no answer. At the end of that email, there was no, so everything's going to be great, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. I don't know what it will take to fix these problems, but I promise you, we will continue down this path and we will continue to look for new ways to fix the problems. And I mean, I got 
I got a text message from one of our staff members who said, look, I know this other vendor. I have a friend that works for this other vendor and they might be able to fix our problem. Would you be interested in talking? Of course, right? So even letting them know I didn't have the answers without necessarily soliciting them to fix the problem caused, A, we got a ton of supportive messages. And then we got a couple of staff members that were like, we would love to help. We would love to Mm -hmm. fix this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of of taking time at least to sketch out an uh, initial idea or plan because if you just say, throw your hands up and say, we've got this disaster and uh, I don't know what to do. And they're like, well, you know, I, I give you an example. We had, we had a major piece of bad news in our company. It happened on a Friday and I had a choice. I could tell my employees before they went home, but I didn't. I sat on it and I said, I've got three days to sort of process it myself and see what the next steps would be. And I spent all weekend developing a plan to kind of, at least a preliminary sketch of a plan to move forward. And it was, so we had a meeting that Tuesday morning and it was like, <clears throat> all right, here's a piece of bad news. <laughs> and then I let I let the team sort of absorb that because you can see the reactions in the room and what have you. And it's like, all right, here's what, here's, here's, a, here's a way forward that I've been working on. And I think it was better than just throwing that piece of news out there without actually having that. And then we're going to do this type of thing. So I think I always talk, you know, a lot about, you know, my time in the Navy when when the, when the storms were heavy or there was something bad happening with with the ship. I remember we all would just look at the captain like, does he have this? You know, does he know what he's doing? And I know my employees do the same thing. They're like, does John have this, right? Does he does he understand what's going on? Can we trust him to fix it? And so I like that what you're talking about is have a plan or at least some semblance of a plan uh, that you can talk about. And again, what you said is important is that they may have ideas that can help the plan, even if you don't have it all fleshed out yet. And John, how did you feel going into that meeting Tuesday morning? What was your, where were you at emotionally having spent that weekend, letting that sink in, coming up with a plan? I, it's tempting to say confident, but how'd you really, how'd you feel? So I got a chance to, and that's what I told my employees too, is I said, I had a chance to absorb that bad news and, and uh, I had three days to absorb it. And, uh, and then I, and then I, I was excited about our plan going forward, like the new direction we were going to go. So I was already excited for that meeting. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I knew when I told them the bad news, I'm like, you gotta go get through that quickly because I got some good news. So it was one of those things like, I wanted them to go through three days of grieving that I already went through. <laughs> so, but, but, but I knew they needed time to, 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 to absorb the, that piece of news, you know, but I was excited to get into the next phase. So I just have to guess, I mean, and it's only a guess that the buy-in from them must've been very high though, after processing, because, you know, again, what you said, you look at the captain and everyone looks at the leader to see, does the leader have this, but you brought them a solution and exciting news. And you were genuinely excited about it. Yeah. yeah. You were genuinely upset about the bad news, but you were genuinely excited about it. It wasn't fake. Oh, we're like when you ask people, how's business? They're like, Oh, we're crushing it. You're not crushing it. (laughs) You might be making a lot of money. You might be accomplishing goals, but how's business? What's challenging for you? And it could be something like I'm, you know, I had a business owner the other day because I try to go to these retreats and stuff to talk to them, you know, because it's, better for me, frankly, you know, once or twice a year. And I said, how's business? And he goes, I'm unhappy. So, whoa. Mm. He goes, I said, why are you unhappy? He's like, I just can't get out of this rut, you know? And I said, 
have you have you asked for help? You know, and it, it, when your team senses that your leader is unhappy, scared, whatever, they pick yeah. up on that. But they also pick up on the the inauthenticity. We yeah. started talking about it, and he's been pretending to be happy with his yeah. team, and he's had record resignations over the last three months. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to ask you too. Um, you know, you you made a commitment to your employees during this, you know, during this tough time. Now that so what what has that done for your team as you have grown now and you've made a bigger team and you've had to rely on these employees to help, you know, because this is your was your core group that has led you to growth. Um, what's that been like? How did that sacrifice that you made during during COVID, how what how did that pan out for you in terms of your employee morale? Uh, whether there, you've had good retention. I mean, I'm just curious to know because I'd like to hear that we made a sacrifice and everything went great. But I'm just kind of curious to know how that how that what the impact was for you and the organization and the morale. Yeah, the punchline on all these things is it doesn't always go great, right? Mm-hmm. So. You know, we kept all of these team members and one team member resigned. She ultimately, when when it was time to come back, she decided she preferred being home. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that we wouldn't let her work from home. It's that she preferred not having as much work to do. That's okay. Yeah. Um, people reacted very emotionally. Other team members felt betrayed. It, it's really hard as a leader because you want to create this environment where everyone works together and, you know, they care for each other, but they care about the mission. And then when someone doesn't, they will take it personally and you have to get them out of that rut very quickly. Okay, you know, the right people are here. The people that are supposed to be here are here. We had to watch out with that core team because that core team was so much more bonded than new people. So you had to make sure that they were welcoming and opening and, you know, working. That took a lot of work on my part to make sure that I was being as welcoming and opening to new people as these other people that I'd managed to bond very, very carefully with. but. I'll, I'll tell you, they, as a team, they pick it up. We've had people resign. We've had people, you know, we've had to let people go. And that sucks. And it's it's hard. But they they pick up on... It doesn't change the culture if you stay consistent with the empathy-driven li- like leadership. Um, because, yeah, we let that person go because they weren't the right person for us. Yeah, yeah. They were wasting our time by being here and we were wasting their time. Yes. Yeah. By keeping them from moving forward in life because there there was never going to be a future here. And I'll tell you, the invested team members see that and they appreciate it because they know yeah, they that know. if we ever reach a place where I don't think it makes sense for them to be here, we will have that conversation. Yeah, yeah. They they know that. I mean, in fact, they they know when they see you're in action. They're like, this person doesn't fit. Or why aren't you yeah. taking action? And then you get into, you know, then then the employees don't trust you because they see you not taking action. And and I think you're right. I mean, I often say that like uh employees can be like puzzle pieces that somehow don't fit in our puzzle. They'll fit perfectly in someone else's puzzle. They just don't fit in our puzzle at the moment. And it doesn't mean they're bad people. Or it doesn't mean they're incompetent or or not uh, untalented. They're just don't. They're not a natural fit for what we're trying to do. And I think it's best to let people find their puzzle that they fit into better. And I think that's what I'm always looking to do. But one of the things you said is interesting, and I talk about this too. Is and I've had some really tough times in the military. I've had tough times in my corporate life, and I noticed that when I go through tough times with the team, we really do bond. We really do get close, and you build that core. 
And then, like you said, as you grow your business, now you've got this group of people that have suffered together, right? And they, yeah. uh, and now there's a, these new people coming along. And how do you, you know, how, there's this little click over here, the people that suffered during COVID together. And like you said, you have to be careful about making sure that you integrate both sides of it. So you don't have like two, uh, two teams or two distinct cultures. No. And how can you, how, and how can you not worry about that when you're watching it come happen? Right. I mean, I hate it. It's, it's one of the hardest things. I haven't found the answer, quote unquote, because there is no answer. I mean, people are complicated and society is complicated. And what you have is you almost have like this subset within the society of your business where these people are like, some people call them the OGs or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're not always the most welcoming. But if you lead with empathy and you show that you genuinely care, it is interesting. They start to care for each other. We just had an employee very, very sweet young lady. Um, and an attorney was departing. And this happens sometimes. But the attorney decided, in my opinion, to depart in a way that was not mm. good. You know, it wasn't supportive. It wasn't supportive of the people of her assigned staff member because we kind of have like these teams that people work in, right? I didn't like that. It didn't make me feel good on her way out her way of dealing with that was to be, you could call it arguably verbally abusive towards that staff member, right? So we come in, meet with her. What's going on? Talk to me. You know, and 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 I'm talking about the staff member now. We we coach her through, we get her through it. We explain to her that she's important to us and she's a valued member of our team and we care, right? And what happens? Every other new staff member comes to her to offer their help. That doesn't make me feel good because where are the original people, right? And suddenly the original people come around and they're like, yep, that's what it's like here. What can I do for you? <laughs> you know? And and that's what they that's what you need to use. Your long-standing team members need to confirm the culture to your new team members and then they'll start to work together. Love that. I can't add anything to that. That's fantastic. Uh, Galen, this has been fantastic. What final message would you like to leave with our listeners? Just listen, just listen, you know, if, if it's, if it's hard to do because it is, then listen, then spend some time listening to yourself, you know, talk to yourself and then ask yourself, how do I really feel about that? Um, I promise you, if you listen to your employees, if you listen to your team, if you listen to your customers and you actually hear what they're telling you and how they feel, you will have much better relationships with everyone. Man, I can't add anything. That's so so fantastic. Listeners, as you're listening into it, you I talk about a lot, a lot about this podcast is about building uh, a world with better bosses. Galen's a, one of those better bosses. And I hope that you take these lessons that he's learned and that you apply them uh, in your business, in your department, in, in the areas that you have responsibility for. Uh, people are very important, but empathy is a big part of how we deal with people. So uh, a lot of really good lessons in this. Uh, Galen, uh, how can listeners find out more about you and your company? Yeah, our website is insuranceclaimhq.com. We're on all the different social medias under Insurance Claim HQ. And you can feel free to reach out to us on there. Um, look, if you call us, someone answers 24-7. And if you're trying to get me a message, I will get it. And I will definitely get back to you. 
Fantastic. Well, we're going to put links in the show notes. Uh, so check out Galen's company. Uh, reach out to him if you've got some questions, if you want to learn what it means to, to be an empathetic leader, uh, because clearly he's doing it and having a lot of success doing it. Guess what? You can take care of your people and your business. It can happen. It's real. So, and Galen is a great example of it. Galen, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me, John. Thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown! On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.